Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 203. I got a quote that I live by. It's a quote by Winston Churchill. When he had to address the graduating class of Oxford University in the heart of World War II, he looked at all these eager young faces uh, that were staring back at him, and he said six words, never, 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 never give up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Jim Hyde. Jim, do you have your helmet on, and are you ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. A good motorcyclist always is, so let's go. Jim Hyde owns the World of Rawhide Adventure Motorcycle Training Tours and Special Events. He started the business in the spring of 2002 with the goal of providing adventure destinations for motorcycle riders around the world. Jim and his talented crew provide numerous motorcycle tours, training, and trips in a wide variety of locations just about everywhere. From intermediate to advanced challenges, They'll guide and coach you through some of the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Rawhide is officially endorsed by the BMW Motorrad North America, and they're the official BMW Training Center. Their goal is to provide participants with fun and exhilarating adventures on motorcycles. Jim, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your business, your interests, and, of course, your passion for motorcycles? Well, it goes back a long way, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure it does with, with many folks that are uh, on your show. But uh, it's sort of funny. If my mother were alive today, she, she would uh, chastise me mightily for the business I'm in because as growing up as a little boy, my parents both said that motorcycles were the invention of the devil. Oh, gosh. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know... Uh, Thankfully, I, I don't have to listen to mom beat me up about that. But um, uh, on, on the other hand, I <laughs> for my first exposure to ownership of a motorcycle was when I was 17 years old. Uh-huh. Still living in my parents' house, I couldn't let them know that I owned a bike. So uh, I worked out a deal. <laughs> I worked out a deal to get my hands on a little Yamaha 125 which I kept at a friend's house uh-huh. and uh, I never let my folks know that I owned it. And uh, then the, I think the, the really interesting tie into 
our world today is the fact that I, like many guys in my age group, sold that first dirt bike so they could go off to college and then came career and kids and family and yep. and all, all of that. And suddenly 25 years slipped by and uh, I hadn't thrown a leg over a bike. And so I'm uh, I'm what they call a re-entry rider, although now that's been you know, 15 years back. Sure. But it, it's pretty common in our world that there's a lot of guys that used to have a bike and somewhere a lot of people call it a midlife crisis uh, <laughs> when you get a motorcycle again. Yeah. I have my own way of describing why of that. So anyway, that's the snapshot and uh, how I got started in it. Yeah. Well, your business, Rawhide, how did you get involved in that and what, what? how did that whole thing come together and transpire? Well, now that's a long story. <laughs> well, maybe give me the condensed version before we get into the questions I have for you, but I'd love to hear maybe the, the beginning elements of how this thing percolated and even came to mind. Um, yeah, I don't want to take too much uh, thunder away from what's coming downstream, but here's the basic genesis of a seed that has had been in my mind for 30 years. Wow. And it came from an old, it came from an old boss. Um, we, we had a, I worked for a fellow that sold machine tools mm-hmm. and machine tools are commodities. They're, they're, they're machines that make stuff. It's not glamorous. It's not romantic. It's a real logical decision what kind of a machine you're going to buy for a certain purpose and there's definitely little passions in machinery some guys love it you know and and they maybe they find their way and that's great but a lot of stuff about machinery is really boring Mm -hmm. and my boss said to me when i was like 22 23 years old he said jim if you could find a way to be involved in something where you make people smile for a living you'll be fulfilled and you'll have a great business. <laughs> there you go. And I held on to that for a long time. I yeah. mean, I kept trying to think, well, you know what, 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 you know, what, what, where's the path? Where do I find this? And slowly as the years came by, uh, or passed by and I started just getting tired of what I've done most of my life. I thought more and more about that. And the opportunity came along to start Rawhide and, uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more further yeah. down, down, down the road, but Absolutely. that whole idea of being in a fun business that was the, the, the first seed that yeah. got planted. Oh, fantastic. You know, I love that so much is because Cars Yeah is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts, in your case, motorcycle enthusiasts, and finding a way to wrap your passion into your vocation. And that seed germinated for 30 years and, and it came finally sprouted through the dirt if you will, because you guys get out in the dirt a lot. And uh, and Rawhide was born. Fantastic. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is something that's been st- instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I should call it Motorcycles Yeah today. So, Jim, throw a leg over and take the handlebars. All right. So... I got a quote that I live by, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a quote by Winston Churchill. Nice. It's not, it's, not, it's not actually a quote. It is simply his words. When he had to address the graduating class of Oxford University in the heart of World War II, he, uh, he, took, he, he you know, was based in London. He jumped on the train, went up to Oxford, had all of his war advisors with him, and he talked to war all the way up. He jumped out of the train, he raced to the podium in front of the graduating class and uttered what is supposed to have been the shortest commencement speech, I think it's commencement for that word, yes. speech in history. <laughs> yeah. He looked at all these eager young faces uh, that were staring back at him and he said, 
six words. Never, 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 never give up. Yep. And with that, he raced back to the train and carried on, and he never gave up, and yeah. the rest is history. And wow. I have my own version of never giving up because we've had some real rocky times, but I held on to that phrase. Yeah. That's, that's the God's honest truth. Well, it's a wonderful quote, and I've heard that from a couple other guests here on Cars, yeah. Can you give me maybe one example of how you've incorporated that success quote into your business? Sure. 2007. We had been in business for, uh, well, we started in 2002, so we were hitting the five-year mark. Yep. And, you know, most, most businesses fail in the first three to four years if they're going to fail. But we were really trying to break new ground and foster a, a commercial lifestyle that the world wasn't quite ready for yet. And so January of 2007, uh, I had $7 in the company bank account. Oh, goodness. And, and payroll was due in like, you know, eight days. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, I can either shut the doors or I can just not give up. So I didn't give, I didn't give up. And, you know, somehow a few phone calls came in, a few customers showed up and we passed that hurdle, but that was the lowest point yeah. In, yeah. In, in the history of growing the business. And now it's, seems like really, really the distant past, but um, that's just the example. I mean, I had the chance. I could have given up because (laughs) it didn't look like there was much hope. Sure, I understand. Well, Mr. Churchill's words prevailed. I'm sure glad they did. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for vehicles? Could be cars, could be bikes. Tell us a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy or motorcycle guy. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I, I have. Burned in my memory. Yeah. So um, I was a little kid raised out in the California desert, and uh, my folks lived quite a ways from the nearest town, and all my friends lived in town, and I lived out in the hills, and um, I I really, really wanted a way to be able to go visit my friends because my folks wouldn't loan me the the family car or whatever, and so I bought a dilapidated handmade dune buggy that didn't did not run <laughs> it was a chassis from a 1951 ford with a flathead six and a three on the tree oh my gosh and the body had been cut off of it but the seat had been left in place and it had big old balloon tires on it but it was really just nothing more than a chassis and an engine and a transmission there was a small bracket that held the steering wheel up <laughs> and oh my gosh <laughs> it, it it looked more like a Flintstone flyer yeah. than, any, than anything else. But uh, it, it had sat out in the rain, and the spark plugs were had been taken out of it, and it was a mess, and the cylinders were all frozen. So my dad agreed to help me get it running. Mm-hmm. And so I first looked at it as simply a means to an end. I wanted to figure out a way to get to town. Yep. Um, but it was also a chance to do something with my dad, learn a little bit about how how things work. So we took that old rusty six cylinder apart and my dad showed me how to use a ring compressor and how to pull a crankshaft out. And we had to beat the the pistons out of the cylinders with a hammer (laughs) uh, because they were rusted in place. I didn't have enough. I had five bucks a week with my allowance. And the only thing that we determined I absolutely had to buy was new piston rings. Yeah. So I saved I saved for a month to get a twenty two dollar set of rings. Dad showed me how to put them in, and so the day the day that made me a car guy was the day that my dad towed me in this old buggy up to the top of a hill so that I could coast down and try and bump start that thing. <laughs> and 
it, it worked. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> oh, what a great story. It, <laughs> it fired up and it ran so smoothly. I was in awe yeah. that I'd been able to do something that brought life back to this old hulk yes. of a car. Yeah, you're kind And there of, you go, man. <laughs> That's a great story. Kind of your hillbilly hot rod. <laughs> It, it was yeah, a hillbilly dune buggy, man. Dune buggy. There you go. Yeah. So, Jim, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you've faced in your career. You talked about that time where you were down to, to seven bucks, but maybe that's the time you want to share a little bit more about or something else. But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome the situation and what did you learn from it? Well, okay. So... Yeah, we had a we had a big challenge. So to provide a little more backstory, mm-hmm. I wanted to do some kind of a business that would be fun for people. And I've always been a marketing guy. I've always sort of been able to identify niche businesses. And one of the things that I just knew intuitively from living in the California desert most of my life is that European tourists love the American West. Yep. And when I decided when I decided to start my own business, I actually started Rawhide Adventures as a Jeep tour and exploration company with a target market of serving European clients. Okay. And so way back in 2001, I spent a little over a million dollars. I bought some really fancy equipment. I bought a fleet of Jeeps, and I went off to Europe to meet with uh, adventure travel agencies from Britain through Switzerland, Germany, Austria, Italy. I spent the whole summer of 2001 in Europe selling my concept to adventure travel companies and and did quite well. I came home, um, I flew home on September 9th of 2001 with a briefcase full of contracts, and I was pretty excited. Yeah. And, And two days later... When the World Trade Center collapsed, mm-hmm. I knew that that was absolutely the end of that business. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I didn't even get it off the ground, and I was dead right within about a week. It took about a week. Everybody was very polite. They didn't cancel their contracts immediately, but beginning about a week later, I, I had about fifteen contracts. Yeah, and I I just got this very polite, very sad stream of emails. Dear Mister Hyde, you know we're terribly sorry about that bad thing that happened in New York. And what we, what we feel is that most likely the Austrian public doesn't want to travel to America this year or next or for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so we were torpedoed before we ever got afloat. Yeah. And so then, then I, I had to go through the process of reinventing our entire business model under the duress of having a million dollars worth of inventory and vehicles and stuff oh, yeah. that I already that I already owned. So part of the problem in 2007 when we just simply were damn near broke was the fact that we we didn't even have a chance to get started fairly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so we flopped around a little and um, uh, you know had to reinvent ourselves and then through a little bit of creative niche market identification and stuff we 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 uh, We've blossomed and grown and recovered, and life is good. Oh, but, wow. Um, yeah, literally rose but, from the ashes, uh, just like everything else that, that happened from that terrible day. So, wow, amazing. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and, and have you share a story it has to do with an aha moment in your business, a time when you realized that an idea or a concept you had was a great one. It was going to make it. And tell us the steps 
you took to turn that aha moment into a success? Okay, well, so the two are tied together. You know, the the bad stuff and the good stuff are tied together in, in the same string. So the, the aha moment came about a year later. Uh, it, it took me a while to figure out what path I really wanted to take after September 11th, and I decided to shift gears and head into motorcycles because I could do the same thing with a bike that I can do with a Jeep, but I, could, I, I felt more comfortable that I could sell my services to the American public if I was selling motorcycle travel. Mm-hmm. Jeep travel to the Americans, I mean, so many people own an SUV that exploring the backcountry is not as interesting in a guided format. You know, you don't need to hire a guy to, to take you out in your own Jeep and roam around the desert. Right. So Europeans, that makes sense. Americans, not so much. So I shifted gears to motorcycles. The service that I had envisioned providing for folks by Jeep was that we would spend all day roaming the desert in a Jeep. And then at the end of the day, when people were tired and ready to call it quits, we would theatrically come over the rise of a hill or we would drop down into a valley and there would be like an African safari campsite set up. Campfire going on, you know. uh, uh, I had two big rigs, 18 wheelers that were configured like a mobile hotel, if you will. And we had a... We had a very high-end kitchen in one of them and bunks and accommodations in the other. So our customers could climb out of their Jeep, take a hot shower, sit down in a comfortable chair by the fire with a nice cold cocktail, be served a gourmet meal on white linen under the stars, and then go sleep in a comfortable bed, get back up the next morning, jump in their Jeep, go do it again. Wow. I had all the infrastructure to provide that service, but... The Europeans weren't coming, so I shifted to motorcycles with the same idea mm-hmm. for traveling, you know, exploring the American West, selling yeah. our service to Americans. Yeah. Well, and long story made short, we started getting a trickle of clients, and I targeted the BMW owner as the right guy to be interested in my program because demographically, you know, BMWs are expensive motorcycles. They they typically have an affluent rider base, and I was really trying to position my business at the upper end of the market. Sure. And so I thought, well, and among the BMW riders, who's the guy that's most likely going to be interested in a dirt backcountry <laughs> sort of dirt road Jeep trail environment? Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the guy who purchases BMW's GS model yep. bike. Absolutely. That's the SUV of the moto industry, right? Yeah. So I started, I started getting these GS owners participating in our dirt bike tours, and at the risk of sounding, uh, I don't know, snobby or whatever, they were terrible riders. They just <laughs> were not good off-road riders. And I said, guys, what's the deal here? You, uh, you own a GS. It's an off-road bike. What's the problem? You're struggling with a dirt bike, which weighs half the weight of your GS, and Almost universally, Mark, those riders said, Jim, we don't take those bikes off-road. Yeah, exactly. Those, those, <laughs> yep. <laughs> those, those, those bikes are big, they're heavy, they're expensive. We don't want to bang them up. We don't want to wreck them. Yeah. Um, and they're just not off-road bikes. And I said, oh, that's just, that is so not true. All right, so a few months went by. I met a lot of people who told me the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly... Uh, in, in 2003, late 2003, I read an article in an American motorcycle magazine that said that BMW had training schools in seven countries providing training services to GS owners to teach them how to take these bikes off-road, 
And the article mentioned what a shame it was that there was not such a school in the U.S. Ah, light bulb. (laughs) And exactly. Light bulb went on. I am a niche market guy. I said, that I can do. So we opened our doors uh, as a training school in 2003 uh, based on that article, based on that light bulb moment. And as luck would have it, I had a journalist in that very first camp over first training session, he wrote a complimentary article. The phone started ringing, and slowly we we surged ahead. Cool. And that was all because of that, that one aha moment. Yeah, fantastic. I love those good aha moments. <laughs> that was great. How about your proudest moment, proudest career moment? I'm sure you've had many, but is there one you could share with us? Absolutely. Can I share two? Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, Well, so the, the, the decision was was consciously made by me to pursue uh, the BMW marketplace. Mm-hmm. So clearly, as you can imagine, five years later in 2008, when the vice president of BMW shows up at my front door with a contract in his hand, and uh, we sit down together and I sign a contract making us the ninth official BMW training school in the world. Nice. Pretty big, pretty big moment for us. Definitely. So the second big moment that is tied to that was about a year and a half later when the president of BMW came to visit and brought with him most of his staff. And uh, over dinner uh, that evening, he stood up with a wine glass and he raised the glass and said, I feel as though I'm standing on holy ground. Wow, man. Because he was a man that shared the passion that I have for adventure travel. And he just felt as though, you know, he had reached the place where <laughs> somebody understood it yeah. as well as he did. So oh, that was a wonderful moment. Absolutely. That's awesome. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And I'll I'll say slash motorcycle, if you'd rather talk about that. And if you could share one memory you had with that vehicle. Oh, I don't know. I got to tell you, uh, it was a car. Oh, okay. Like, any, like, like, uh, like any young boy. Well, you know, your first car is always special, but... There was a car that I had as a goal my entire life after having seen it once. Mm-hmm. And that was a Porsche Turbo Carrera, the Porsche 930. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Um, I, uh, when I graduated from, uh, from high school, mm-hmm. uh, I took a summer and I went camping in Europe. And while I was in Europe, I took a tour through the Porsche factory in Stuttgart and uh, parked out in front of the plant in a VIP parking space was... I don't know, it could have been the president's car, could have been a VP's car, but there was a bright red Porsche Turbo with the whale tail on the back. <laughs> and I had, ne- I had never seen such a beautiful car. Yeah. So I went over and took a picture of it. And then when I got home, I developed that picture and I kept that picture under a piece of glass on my desk for the next many years. <laughs> yep. And we will continue that story in a moment. Oh, but, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That, that, that was just, you know, I eventually got one, so yeah. that's the story. But I just, if, if you want to talk about love at first sight, it was that car, being that car. How about vehicles that you sold that you really wish you could still <laughs> had in your garage? I hope we're not in the same track here, but that seller's remorse? Uh, I'll bet you that you will get this similar answer from a lot of guys on this show. But no, I, there is, there, there's not a single car that I've actually sold that I wished that I had kept. Mm-hmm. because I've kept them all. You have? Uh-huh. The, the two cars that are 
pivotal in my personal experience in life uh, is a car, a, a 1972 Chevy El Camino that I bought in just my first year of college mm -hmm. that has had everything in it from uh, twin turbo nitrous injected. Oh I used to gosh. work for Ray J Industries. So I built, okay. um, I built my own first, uh, my twin turbo El Camino. I've had a dozen engines in that car. I still have it. Man, um, cool. And I eventually, I eventually got that Porsche and I still have it. They sit side by side in the garage. All right. And those are the, those are the two trophy cars to me that I've had my whole life, and I have no intention of selling. Very cool. What year's your turbo? It's an 81. 81. Awesome. Cool. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yes, there is. I've, uh, um, it, it's funny. Um, it's just about to get winched up onto the trailer to go into the shop to get some work done on it. Uh, I have a 60 Caddy uh, Savannah DeVille that belonged to my mom. Oh, it's wow. Got 40, it's got 40,000 original miles on it. It's got a 472, and it's been sitting for a long time. It's just been sitting but safely, but I've got a family now, and I can't think of anything more fun than Saturday night dinner and Grandma Catherine's old Cadillac. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to get that car back on the road, and it is literally going into the shop this afternoon. Wow, fantastic. Well, you have to send me a picture when that thing gets, gets all uh restored and cleaned up. That's fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Jim. If you were a car, and again, I'll say or a motorcycle, what kind of car or motorcycle would you be and why? <laughs> it's not what you wish you were. It's how you perceive yourself. Yeah. Well, so, okay, that's fair enough. And I think I'm in that, I'm in that part of, of well, how do I say this? I would be what I work with every day, and that would be a motorcycle, and it would be a GS. Uh -huh. um, and uh, because it's my nature, that bike represents everything that I am as a guy. And I, I'm an explorer. Mm -hmm. I'm an outdoorsman. I don't like to just stick to the clean and easy path formed by the freeway or a, or a paved road. And the GS is the motorcycle that is designed to travel the world, go anywhere, anytime and do anything pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like to think that that's me. Um, I'm a decent mechanic. I'm an architect. I'm an engineer. I'm a fixer. I'm a, I'm a traveler and an explorer, and I like to get my hands dirty, and that sort of seems like a GS. And Very cool. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Great. Wonderful answer. We're about to enter the last lap, but before we do, Here's a word from our sponsor and Cars yeah guest, Dwight Knowlton. Carpe Viem, seize the road. It's the motto at carpegear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an inspirational award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kids' car book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the little red racing car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find his book, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E-gear.com. 
All right, Jim, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. I'll give them my best shot. All right. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? (laughs) If you have a car and you really love it, don't ever sell it. Oh, gosh, yeah. I wish wish I'd known you (laughs) earlier (laughs) because I have a couple sellers from worse uh, stories that are just painful. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Yep. Become a good public speaker. Be comfortable. Be be comfortable standing in front of people and telling your story. Yep. Great advice. And I know there's a lot of resources out there, especially with the web these days, but is there one in particular that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Maybe a website or a blog? Well, okay. So, yeah, there is. If your listeners are interested in this world of adventure riding, mm-hmm. um, taking a motorcycle and going kind of beyond the beaten path and getting out in the backcountry and really exploring the world. One of the daunting things is that there aren't a lot of easy resources where you can sort of become or get your arms around everything you need to be and do and have in order to do this. And there is a website called theworldofadventure.com. You spell all the words out, theworldofadventure.com. And on that website is just about everything you'd ever want to know about this world we've been talking about, albeit uh, well, there's been a lot of car talk mixed with motorcycle talk here. But yeah. if, you're a, if you're an adventure motorcycle enthusiast and you want to learn more, go to theworldofadventure.com. And there's a lot of great resources there, how to equip your motorcycle, motorcycle reviews, where to buy things. It's just a great resource. Very cool. And how about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? Well, again, uh, tying it to my world, um, there's a fabulous book. In fact, there's two of them. Um, one called Jupiter's Travels, which was written by a chap back in the 60s. His last name is Simon. Okay. Ted Simon. Called Jupiter's Travels. And it's an authentic travelogue about a guy with a knapsack on his back who traveled the entire planet on a, like a, a, a Triumph 650 mm-hmm. um, before, before any of this. And, there's a second book by a, a Norwegian named Helge Petersen. And Helge wrote a book called Ten Years on Two Wheels. And again, traveling the world and just experiencing life as seen uh, from two wheels without a windshield in front of you. Spectacular. Great book. Yeah, they both sound wonderful. Listeners, you can find these resources at carsyad.com slash Jim Hyde. All right, Jim, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. I'm trying to think what the a similar reference would be to a motorcycle for that comment about being a real doozy. I can't quite come up with it. But if you could have only one collector car, and again, I'll say collector motorcycle too, if you'd like, in your garage. But money's no object. I'll buy you any vehicle you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be and why? Yeah, I know. It's tough just to pick one. That's really a tough one. Well, in my world, I'll take a, I'll, I'll steal the line from one of the guys at BMW that I met a couple of years ago. And it would just, to me, for a motorcycle, it would have to be a GS because regardless of what you want to do, you're, you're never on the wrong bike. It's great for exploring. It's fast. You can spank guys on a, on, on what we call rice rockets, you mm-hmm. know, sport bikes. They handle amazingly well. I'm a GS guy, and I would choose to be a GS if that would be the only thing I could have in the garage. There you go. <laughs> Great answer. 
Jim, you have taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down that dirt trail and that GS? <laughs> never, 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 never give up. <laughs> Perfect. That's the best advice. You know, people give up on their dreams, whatever it may be. If you want that beautiful sports car or whatever, don't give up. Yep. Make it a priority. Yep. Set a goal and make it happen. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing and get involved? Well, it's real simple. Um, all they need to do is go to Google and type in the word rawhide, R-A-W-H-Y-D-E. There are hundreds and hundreds of posts about us out there. There are hundreds of YouTube videos, and they can go to rawhide-offroad.com to our website and learn more about what we do. It's a great website, too. I encourage all the listeners to check it out. And if you have any inkling to get out on a bike and have some fun, I think Jim is the guy you need to call. I'm ready to sign up. Listeners, you can find links to everything I've shared here today at carsyad.com slash Jim Hyde, H-Y-D-E. Just put Jim in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. Jim, thanks for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your wonderful experiences with our listeners today. Until we talk again, I'll see you down that dirt trail. Alrighty. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.